Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Nier. I'm Brett, and today we talk about Walker's playthrough of several roguelites, and I check out Ghostbusters Remastered. Hi, how's it going, Walker? What's got you picking up your sticks this week? Hey, what's going on, Brett? Uh, yeah, so, you know, I talked... I don't know how long ago now, but at some point in time in the not too distant past, I talked about uh, Slay the Spire um, mm-hmm. and how that kind of had pulled me into to roguelikes, um, even though it's a card game. And, and then since that time, I really got into Risk of Rain 2, which is arguably a roguelike as well. Um, and so I've just kind of been going through and trying out a lot of roguelikes um because i own a lot of them even though <laughs> i wasn't really a big fan of them now most of them came from humble bundles i didn't go right buy them intentionally um your infinite supply of steam games mm-hmm. <laughs> right but yeah so um really i mean a few games that i i didn't spend a ton ton of time with but uh, that i went back and, and kind of tried out again just to check out um like enter the gungeon I did that mm, one, which mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. did that one a couple of years ago, I think. And yeah, it's a really well, it's a really well done game. Like I understand now that I'm past my hatred of <laughs> the roguelike element of these games. Right. Um, I, yeah, I can appreciate them for what they are a lot more. And like Enter the Gungeon, despite being, you know, very pixely or whatever, it's got really good animations. It's 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 got co-op, which I haven't done, but I think would probably be really fun. Yeah. And just thematically, it's just a uh, I mean, there's there's enemies that are bullets that shoot guns <laughs> that shoot bullets that are guns themselves. It's just it's just infinitely silly. Right. Um and I love I love Well, that. and even though it is pixelated, there's a lot of depth to the art in that game. There sure is, yes. Like, the way things blow up and move around, and just the characters themselves, I've... I, well, I've not played it yet, I own it, but I haven't played it yet, because I got... I, I kind of burned myself up on Nuclear Throne. Um, but I've seen a lot of gameplay of, mm. like... It kind of along the lines of Binding of Isaac, and I'll just end up watching playthroughs of weird combo runs that people try to do like getting certain combinations of items and, and setting up a run that way. But so I've seen a fair amount of enter the gungeon playthrough, but I, I've never touched it, but it does look pretty intense and it's, it's pretty game. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very well made. Um, it's demanding it, it. So it has a, a dodge mechanic, which has a, an invincible frame mm-hmm. in it. So while you're in the dodge animation, you can't take damage. So unlike, some of the other games that I've played, it is binding of Isaac is another one. I actually did go back and try out as well. Enter the Gungeon and binding of Isaacs are, are are much more bullet hells. Right. Than I don't know than than any of the others that I, you know, have recently played. Um, And enter the Gungeon, the way you're supposed to overcome that is by being good at the dodging. Right. Um, And I'm, we'll say passably decent at the, Yeah. I can get I've gotten past the first level <laughs> like <laughs> you get to a boss and it's not the same boss at the end every right. time it has an RNG chance. I've gotten past that and maybe I've gotten past the second one. Um but it's only yeah. like six more to go, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not close. And it's it's definitely a game where you I mean you do get power-ups if you will or you, or right. at least it's more like Risk of Rain where you unlock more things that you could encounter in the run mm-hmm. um similar to rogue legacy though it definitely kind of hits a point where it's like they're not give the game is not giving you any more handouts to get you progressed farther like you right. just have to, you're to just gonna get your, better mm-hmm. right so um but yeah so i tried to enter the gungeon i did some binding of isaac um which obviously is a classic game at this point in that right. genre in that space i would say i probably liked it the least um 
of the ones that I've tried. It, it, it's okay. It's just kind of crude. I mean, it's the oldest too, though. I mean, that's, we're talking like started as a flash game, right? Like that's, that's before that's a steam green light kind of thing. And that was the, the new version came out on steam green light. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, it also plays with keyboard only like uh, yeah. not a mouse. Right. And I, I didn't, I didn't like that. I mean, it's a progenitor. Like I could see where it's, just not as good because it while it may not have been the first to do anything like that it was the first to to put them together in that kind of way and and Mm -hmm. kind of really help bootstrap the genre yeah um did a little shovel knight very little of shovel knight again i get to a first boss and then i can't get past it and i'm just not talented enough at my that one that's one that has mega man vibes all over it like old school mega man vibes it does. I would say that it's not, to me at least, it didn't feel as frustrating because the platforming of, and again, I haven't played that much of it, so maybe it get, maybe it turns into Mega Man exactly once you get past the very beginning. Um, but yeah, like it, it didn't, I wasn't running into like, there's a disappearing platform and there's literally no way for you to get this unless you just have memorized that it's happening. Right. Because you've already failed before. Uh, which I don't enjoy that kind of mechanic. Though I will say Shovel Knight, same thing. It was like, I've I've heard a lot about it and I played it, I mean, you know, maybe an hour or something. It wasn't that much. But I've heard for such a long time that it's um, this excellent game. And I was always kind of confused, but I, 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 th- I feel like I get it again, even though I didn't get really far, even though I'm not any good at it. Right. Uh, it's like, I can see where this warrants some of that praise that it's getting, you know? Nice. Um, I told you I've got a list. I, I did. <laughs> I did the original risk of rain since yeah. I was so in love with the risk of rain too. I was like, mm. I got to go play the original just to see. Cause I couldn't really remember it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like understanding now, what risk of rain two is given what risk of rain one was risk of rain two is like a lifetime accomplishment for that. It, it really is like super Mario world to super Mario 64. Like the, like it's just the whole, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. the whole game is different. Like everything While still is... being the same though. Like yeah, that's it's true so to true to the original, like nods to the original while being, Mm-hmm. just a completely new experience i mean yeah it is definitely a new game because it's a 3d open oh, world yeah. thing and the first one is a 2d side scroller thing um but a lot of the items work the same or at least as close to the same as they can given the change from 2D right to like 3D. analogous to to the original right um but yeah it was interesting because since I've played so much of the second one, what it felt like was like in, I think it's in Saints Row. Uh, I think they do it in Saints Row 4. But it, it's in other games too. But in some of the newer games, they'll like in the game of the newer video game, there will be like a fake retro version of mm-hmm. the game. I mean, Doom 2016 did that with the oh, original yeah. Doom levels that you could open up. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Anyway, in Saints Row, though, I think they make it like an 8-bit side-scroller right, right. double dragon kind of thing. Yeah, there is there is a, a beat-em-up in there with the Saints Row characters. Yeah, that's what Risk of... Even though it's wrong because Risk of Rain came first. Right. Not the sequel, obviously. That's what it felt like since the sequel was the first one I played. Right. It felt like I was playing like a cutesy, like retro 8-bit version well, of it and, or something yeah the risk of, like the first risk of rain not only is it pixely but your characters are like five pixels tall like you can hardly it, it's it's actually impossible to really make out any detail yeah it's like, like one if, pixel head one pixel body one pixel feet like if you were a huge fan of the first one then the second one would just be like this is the greatest thing right i've ever seen like i love this so much um, but anyway, yeah, it, 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 it was, it was good to see it. And, and it definitely made me respect even more what they've done for risk of rain too. Yeah. Um, and which I still continue to play and still continue to advocate. That's um, actually pretty rare for you, even with yeah. a co-op game to yes. continue playing. 
Yeah, it's um, I again, and I know I, I mean, I, I, we've, I've, I feel like I've recorded the same episode four times now, so apologies, <laughs> but I just, I can't get over how different I magically all of a sudden feel about the, the lack of persistence, but I really think that's what it is because. I mean, the other day I logged into play and I died in a stupid way very quickly. So I didn't I mean normally when we play Risk of Rain or if I'm playing by myself, the second one, of course, I might not always get to the very final stage, but I can at least get to like the fourth stage with consistency. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, the other day I was definitely just losing very easily, <laughs> very early, but it's not like I'm. I wasn't really out to gain anything except a good time. Right. So when I, when I lose and didn't make any progress, it's fine. Whereas like spend an hour in an MMO looking for a dungeon group and you don't find it. It, it feels like you didn't get you anything didn't, done. Cause you didn't, you didn't have a good time. You didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I still cannot suggest risk of rain Two enough. It is, one of the better games I've played, but it does take some time to get into because when you first start, you don't actually have access to a lot of the unlocks. Right. So the craziness of the builds that are available is not evident and it's not for a few hours, at least for me, a few hours of gameplay. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I've listed things for 10 minutes now. There, <laughs> there's other things still, but I'll, 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 I'll defer. So what about yourself? What have you been playing lately? So I, I, while I have a few things that I've gone through, I think I want to focus on the one that has stuck around in my head the most, uh, which is Epic had the Ghostbusters video game remastered version uh, available sometime around Halloween. Uh, and I picked it up and downloaded it, kind of sat on it for a bit. But I decided to like, it was one of those kind of odd weekend days where I didn't really have anything going on and didn't wasn't really setting out to get stuck in a game, but was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I can burn an hour and just kind of twiddly wink around, see, see what this is, you know, didn't expect it to be terribly much, but figured I'd boot it up and then spent like the next four days straight playing through the entire thing. Um, so it's a 2019 remaster of the 2009 version of the game, but it is, it's really just everything that I ever wanted out of a Ghostbusters franchise thing. Mm. Like it is essentially, so it's written by Dan Aykroyd and Sam Raimi. Uh, since it was the 2009 version, it has like Harold Raimi gets to voice act, um, you know, rest in peace. But it, most of the original voice actors outside of like Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver are in there. Uh, and it's just it's it's silly because it has like Dan Ackard's writing and Sam Raimi. It, it it really feels like a proper it feels like a proper Ghostbusters three. Like it's not it's not a, an interactive movie in the sense that like a lot of games are just quick time event and then long cutscene and then quick time event. Like it's not like that, but it. It's it's strange, I think, because it has a movie that that is before it or two movies that are before it and it follows the same storyline. It has the same voice actors, so it's not even people trying to match voice acting of other actors. Right. And it it's it is very much so like a, a third person over the shoulder adventure game in every sense of the way that you would play that kind of game. But it's also very much so a piece of the Ghostbusters storyline. It is mm. kind of the sequel. It, I mean, it is a proper sequel uh, to Ghostbusters 1 and 2. And it's so... It, it's not an experience that I've had in a lot of other places. Because as we've kind of mentioned before, most video game franchise things that are related to TV shows and movies are either horrendously bad... Or if they're good, they're on their they're good on their own, not because of their tie-in to a storyline. Mm -hmm. And this is okay on its own and great as a tie-in to the storyline. 
Like for one, if you feel like a Ghostbuster, like it, it takes a little because it was it was originally made in 2009. So a little bit of the tutorial stuff was a little off. I, I didn't quite get what was going on at first. And some of the menus, I wasn't sure when I was supposed to be upgrading or if I had to wait to go back to base, which you don't. You could just kind of upgrade any time. But once I got the hang of it and understood what was going on, like, yeah, you you wrangle ghosts with a proton beam. You throw your trap out there like you've got to pull them into the trap and they can get out. The it, It's got a really interesting mechanic where in a lot of the missions you're there's at least one other ghostbuster if not all, all three four of the others with you like you're the kind of fifth you're you are rookie your patch just says rookie and that's mm. your you're the you know mute rookie guy mm. but there it, it's got an interesting system in that there's not lives and if you go down you're not dead you're just kind of down mm. and as long as you're oh, and same with your AI buddies, as long as you res the other like run over and help lift the other person up and get them back on their feet, then they'll run around and start shooting ghosts and wrangling them up and stuff again. And if same, if you go down, they'll prioritize you and come help pick you up. And it's only fails the mission if everyone's down, mm. which and because the AI is actually I, I never had really any issues with the AI coming and getting me. There was like one boss fight where a lot of them kept dying so fast that I couldn't figure out the boss mechanics. But that was one fight out of the whole game, probably about 10 hour, maybe 15 hour game. Mm. Um, and everything else was just like you wear the the goggles, you get ectovision, you've got a track goes. The, the secretary is is yammering on in the background. Phone calls come in like there's a lot of Easter eggs and gags. You could explore the whole firehouse and, and like walk through all the rooms and go into the basement. Like it has all of the trappings and it revisits most of the care like main characters of the series, like the big ghosts, like the the I was at the dark lady or something in the library uh the the marshmallow stay puff marshmallow man and stuff there's a lot of things that kind of come around for a, a second you know big hurrah or whatever and then it's got normal video game mechanics you your proton blaster gets upgrades there's kind of a, a shotgun version there's kind of a ghost ice beam kind of thing there's uh different blasters and and stuff so you get the video game feel while following the same storyline tying in with jokes that you only get if you've seen the other two movies and they reference you know certain things about slimer or people getting good or you know and all the characters are are just as true to themselves like they're all like bankman's still kind of skeezy and trying to hit on every woman that walks by like it's it is still a cheesy 80s movie feel without feeling like a b-rate video game Mm-hmm. and it's just there's so many things that i absolutely adore about it it was a marvelous i i really went in thinking that i was going to play for like 15 minutes and just uninstall like mm-hmm. and and it, whatever it was free i was fine i if i would have known i gladly would have paid for it especially the hd remaster because like the original 2009 version it looks dated i mean it's a ps2 game but yeah, mm-hmm. or it's maybe PS3. it's PS3. It may be yeah. PS3. But as a remaster, it looks awesome. And and it play it, it played great. There was only, like I said, only a couple of spots where I got kind of stuck or wasn't sure if this was like the physics glitching out or if the game is buggy or if I just don't know where I'm going. I think it turned out I didn't know where I was going. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it was just it was such a blast to play through. It was I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan to begin with, so uh, it was really great to get to participate in that again and and actually participate, not just, you know, as an observer, but being able to play through the storyline and actually kind of you really feel like a Ghostbuster. I I had fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I um, I have vague memories of that game coming out. So back in that point in time that was when i i mean obviously you know both of us are lifelong gamers as many of our episodes (laughs) touch on (laughs) um but i wasn't like following gaming 
the like the way that I pay attention to gaming now started in about 2008 2009 okay uh because i used to watch gametrailers.com all the time and at the time i was just playing wow so i didn't even play console games like i just played the mmo right but i still watched basically every game review that game trailers released and I, i i have vague memories of the the ghostbusters game from that era but yeah, I don't. But I never actually played it at all. Um, I yeah, I don't know. So Ghostbusters for me is something I watched. I remember watching the movies as a kid more than once. Like I remember watching them a few times. But it's not something I've seen. I mean, probably since I was ten years old. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I remember watching the Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm. But I don't actually have really clear memories. Like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That's that's one. I, I think maybe there's a scene in maybe the first one with like Slimer, like in a library downstairs mm. kind of thing. Uh, we're getting close to the end of my memory. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I think it sticks because I rewatched them, not like super recently, but maybe five, six years ago or so. Mm. And yeah, just kind of fell in love all over again. And I've always loved like the props come up a lot in prop maker circles as like some of the harder movie props to make like film Mm. accurate kind of cosplays and stuff. Mm. And I don't know, it's just got a style that this, it's kind of the same way with like the DeLorean from back to the future of just, it's not just things being slapped on, but it also kind of is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it also comes from, you know, it, it it comes from an era um, before everyone could just Google and confirm everything, right? right. So you can kind of, especially when you're dealing with paranormal or science fiction or technology, like you can kind of make some assumptions and take some liberties. And unless the viewer just knows because they just know for whatever reason, they don't really, they don't really have anything to say because right. they, they don't know. Whereas now, like, even if you have no idea, if you Google it, you might come across other people who have the idea, mm-hmm. you know, who know that that's not right. And then, you know, whatever. Well, and and I think it's also for a comedy. It has granted while it's not like super hard sci fi, hard ish sci fi where they tried as much as they could to not just make up lingo mm. and not just slap things like so there's which I want to get into more, but there's there's special features in the game, which like basically like DVD special features. Mm. And one of them is restoring the Ecto one for because it was also the 35th anniversary of Ghostbusters and the 10 year anniversary of the game. Um, and I think it was for I don't I, I think it was for the recent master. I'm not entirely sure which set of games that all of the special features are for maybe just for the 2009 version it was done but one way or the other they remastered or not remastered but they rebuilt the ecto one and dan Aykroyd came and talked about it and was talking about how like while all of this is movie props each thing each piece actually had a function at least fictionally Mm. that like these were the pipes that carried the photons and these were and and, like had some semblance of use to it it wasn't just we put a bunch of garbage on top of it to break up the visuals it was like kind of thought through and and they took the time to make it as like kind of real world fictionally accurate as they could yeah which i think does a lot to make I, i mean same with like the 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 DeLorean from Back to the Future, where every pipe and wire that looks misplaced is actually kind of important in the fictional device and has like a name or a reason to be there, which I just think is an, a, a level of attention to detail that not that it's not happening anymore, but not as many movies or, or shows anymore really think about is is why these things are made the way they are. It's usually rule of cool. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it makes what I what jumps into my head immediately when hearing this is is like the movie The Martian with Matt mm-hmm. Damon, where it's like hyper hyper accurate, right? To the point of I would argue not being fun 
anymore. Right. Not that the Martian is not an entertaining movie or whatever. No, but it's no, not no. Fun in the same way that these are. Right? Well, and I think it's for me, it's more the distinction between like a like a Star Trek or a Star Wars, which yeah, all of those things have a purpose. But I guess it's just all usually if something is super sleek, then you just take it for that. But if something. I guess I, maybe it's more just kind of my kid engineering, like building stuff out of a junkyard. Mm. Like, I for some reason, those just, it just, there's so much more character to it than there is in, like, an Enterprise or a Star Destroyer, where, like, the greebling on a Star Destroyer is just kind of to break up big flat surfaces of model plastic. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like... um kind of like the appeal of the guns in borderlands right where right. you can see how they're put together there i mean some of them are very sleek but it's not just a bunch of glocks that shoot mm -hmm. different types of ammo or something right. you know what i mean <laughs> no that's well fair. and they still kind of make sense even though it's weird that you're spinning a drum in a circle to charge a battery like it still kind of makes sense right right yeah you, yeah there it even if the science that it's based off of is fake, at least it's based off of something. Yeah, well, it's kind of be it's believable. It it mm -hmm. just it adds that immersion. It adds a level of belief to it that it's still kind of based in something that you recognize. And right, I I just I don't know. I really really appreciate that. And that's a style that carries over into into the Ghostbusters game. That you know it it seems dumb and weird and fake, but then it also is it, it crosses over that threshold of you know suspension of disbelief so much faster because there's so much care and thought behind how everything works mm. that you're like well these people must know what they're talking about because everything has a purpose it's that's not nothing's unexplained right right yeah i think um i mean it's a little chicken in the egg like i don't think that i don't know if it's if it's better because that attention to detail is there or if like the fact that there is that attention of, to detail is evidence of how much they care and therefore how well it's going to be executed does that make sense at all yeah i mean it's i definitely think that it shows that they care for right. for sure because they're dedicated to de to details not just because it'll make it look good, but because that's the lore and that's to them, that's their story that they want to tell is even though that you're never going to know what the photon tube on the back left hand side of the Ecto-1 is named or how it works, they do. And, and it's important to them that it is done very specifically. So... Mm -hmm. I think there that is does speak to the care that they're going to take writing the story and casting right. the actors. And, you know, if they're going to take that level of detail and a prop and care and attention to, to name all the pieces and make sure that it has some sci-fi believability to it, mm -hmm. then I think that that, and I think that it, it probably passes through that the actors probably believe in it more when mm -hmm. they've got somebody telling them this is the photonic transducer and, you know, this is the ionic propulsor and, like they suddenly they buy into it and suddenly start believing that it's a real thing instead of a plastic prop with some lights on it, you know, like, right. Right. So I, I don't know. Yeah. So in Ghostbusters, what are you doing? I, I don't actually really understand. I mean, I remember as a child, kind of what they're doing that they're like capturing the ghost. What is the actual premise? And I know anyone who's a Ghostbusters fan is like, <laughs> kill me now why are you asking this question but i really don't actually know no, no. i mean it, like, you're not fighting them not really no they're more like paranormal activity starts increasing for unknown reason x and which ends up being like the kind of a resurrection of an elder god sort of thing mm. and as their kind of paranormal activity is increasing you've got some scientists and rookies that all haphazardly get together with you know some proof of equipment and go out and basically they're like they hunt ghosts in the same way that you know you would hunt like exterminate rats or bugs 
Like, and mm-hmm. so you're go, they go and they do capture them. They're not like destroying them or anything, but yeah, they're, they're capturing ghosts and keeping them captive to you know, keep them off the streets. And, and but the ghosts aren't like killing people. No, no. I mean, it's, it's based on a comedy series. So right. like, I mean, yeah, the elder God wants to destroy all humanity, but he's never not going to, you know? Right. So. Hmm. That's that's where the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man comes from is is spoilers. The the Elder God, you know, forces them to choose its its form as it's being summoned. Uh. And they're like, quick, nobody think of anything. And then it's like the form has been chosen. And he's like, I couldn't help it. And they're like, ah, what did you do? And he's like, I just tried to think of the most harmless thing that I ever could. And it's like, boom, boom. And they're like, what did you think of? He's like, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just a, the second one is also just a goofy comedy with lots of sliming and and an evil emotion fueled ghost paranormal slime stuff. And the third one has like like there's some alternate dimension stuff. There's some Elder God stuff. There's some cool ghost stuff. And it but it like actually kind of ties the story together and gives you more understanding for why all of this started happening in the first place and mm-hmm. why this area and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's meant to be more goofy and fun. But the fact that it was serious on in the lore, uh, you you don't get that in comedies a lot either. It's usually whatever rules they need to break for a gag. That's what you get. So it it sounds like it's a game, though, that also, as you said, doesn't really have I mean, it does have a failure condition, but it's kind of rare that you meet it. Yeah, I think I only died. I died in one of the boss fights like twice Mm. and outside of that and that was like the second to last boss in the game outside of that i maybe i died on the last boss once and then i think i died one other time Mm. i mean i went down plenty of times but never had like a restart from checkpoint that only happened i only restarted from checkpoint maybe two or three times in 15 hours and i played on like a normal difficulty right yeah, I don't know. There's something it's it's interesting because there's like such a there's such a knife's edge when it comes to that. Like some games are like you die too much and now it's it's not fun. Right. But then it can also go the other way where it's like it's impossible to lose and that's not fun. But then those aren't hard and fast rules because I think that Stardew Valley is great and you can't really lose in Stardew right. Valley. <laughs> you know? Um so yeah, I don't know. It's strange. It's strange how a game lands that, and I don't know what it is that allows it to do so. Maybe it's, maybe it's just. I mean, you know, a level of immersion or an engaging gameplay that doesn't overstay its welcome. Which I mean, I guess is all games. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it is that allows something to be not hard and still fun. I mean, not that's feel like you're just playing through a visual novel you know well right and i think that was one of the things that really impressed me the most about the down system was that it gave you a reason to actually care about the aais being down because in Mm -hmm. a lot of like ai escort games or whatever all your ai companions go down and you don't care because you're there to beat the boss anyway or you have to care because if one of them goes down you fail the mission but this was you got to kind of play with it some they would res each other too if you didn't need to be rezzed or if you waited, you they wouldn't do it immediately. But if you waited long enough and the others were around, they might go res each other. Right. But you wanted to keep as many of them up as possible because if you went down, they were your ticket out. Mm. So if they were all down, you ha- you run to get one of them up because you need at least one of them active. Right. And but I think, you know. To, to the to the kind of broader statement that you're that you're hitting out there is like I think it's just I think the difficulty kind of also pairs with the game style like uh, I don't feel like you're rushed to make too many decisions in a Stardew Valley either like you're it's not knife's edge for speed of gameplay and I think that some of that may have something to do with it where the higher the the stakes are the the more interesting death can be like i feel like if if there were death and failure conditions in stardew valley it wouldn't be as fun because it's kind of more laid back and chill it's not 
high anxiety farming. <laughs> no, it. I mean, certainly it's not. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think that Stardew Valley, I mean, to be clear, I'm not advocating that Stardew Valley would be better if it mm-hmm. had ways to lose as much as just that it's just pretty infrequent, I guess. Like there's a Prince of Persia game from 2008 that was on the 360 uh, and probably PS3. Is but Sands of Time? No, that's probably from 2003, maybe yeah, 2002. Maybe yeah. Um, yeah, this is just called Prince of Persia. And it, it was a kind of, it was the first game to come out after the reboot of the series in the PlayStation mm-hmm. 2 era, which is the ones you're talking about. Okay. Gorgeous game. It's cell shaded. Uh, it's, it's one of the prettier games I've played. It looks like you're playing a painting. Yeah. Uh, really, really cool. Um, however, it's got a ton of platforming mechanics. Of course, it's Prince of Persia, but if you die, if you fall and miss a jump or something, there's this like angel chick that comes and swoops you up and takes you back to the last checkpoint, which is usually not very far. Right. And that game got killed for that mechanic, just killed for it because people are like, it's not hard enough. It's too easy. The game's literally holding your hand. I mean, she literally holds your hand and (laughs) rescues you or whatever. And I disagreed entirely. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I actually thought the fact that they did that made it more fun because it's a game where they make some, they make you do some demanding jump sequences. Mm -hmm. And if you fail, you don't have to replay the last five minutes. You just have to do that sequence again. Right. Until you get it right. I mean, Sands of Time was a lot like that. I mean, the the whole time rewind mechanic is redo the jump for most of the game. And if you run out of that, then you get kicked back five minutes, maybe. Right. Uh, Three series of jumps instead of just the last one. Right, right. Um, But anyway, I I guess the reason I bring that up is because that is an action game. It's a fast-paced, platformy thing. And yet it still had a pretty limited failure condition. And I still thought it was awesome. Yeah. Although a lot of people did kill it for that. So maybe maybe that is still largely the case. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that... I think that failure condition adds gravity and weight to a game. Uh, I just don't feel like every game needs gravity and weight. Like, I definitely feel like Ghostbusters was better. Like, I'm glad that it wasn't you're basically completely invulnerable, that the AIs never went down, because then it would feel like they're always that, like, why am I here? Right. You know? So I I got to feel important because sometimes they went down. So I didn't feel like I was always the worst player on the team. But... I'm also glad that it wasn't like AI goes down all the time because the monsters are so hard and you die all the time because the monsters are so hard because I I didn't want to go back to the checkpoints a lot. I wanted to I wanted to play through the game closer to a cinematic feel yeah. but while still having good action sequences. And and they do a good job of like there's there's a few kind of just video sequences between missions but a lot of it comes in the mission. You're walking through an area. Maybe you're escorting the Ecto-1 through a graveyard. And two of you are walking outside and three are in the car. And you're all kind of chit-chatting amongst yourselves. Or there's missions where you go off with one or two of them to go do something and then come back to the others later. But you're still talking to them over the radio and stuff. Like, And it's all the original voice actors. So it's just like mm-hmm. you're there. You've got that feel. So I don't want to have to hear all of that stuff. Six, eight. 20 50 times i don't want to hear the villain's monologue before i do the boss battle that i've just failed for the 30th time in the row like yeah no i think that's fair um i mean yeah it sounds like they struck a really good balance of keeping it engaging so that you don't feel like just setting the controller down yet at the same time and maybe it's maybe to some extent it's designed as it's supposed to be Ghostbusters three, right? So, it, well, so that was the other thing that I want to get into is that, like I said earlier, the game literally has a special feature section, and it's more than just like I love games that show their concept art, and I think that's awesome, and it does. Um, but it also just has a whole series of videos 
like you would in an old school DVD. There's behind the scenes footage. There's the original trailer, the new trailer. There's original Ghostbusters stuff in there. And there's a lot of conversation on why they made the game the way they did and how they made the game the way they did. And then how they did the remastering to get the game to a new place. Like, Hmm. and I love that stuff. I, I love going behind the scenes and seeing how stuff is done, how stuff is made, how, how did these people feel? Why did they decide to do it? And yeah, Dan Aykroyd said very much so. He's like, this is basically how I wanted Ghostbusters 3 to go. Like, it has changed some because it's a video game, so there's some stuff that's a little bit different. But the story is pretty much what I wanted it to be. Hmm. And I think that's awesome to to have the original writers, to have the original voice actors, to have, you know, all of that there so that the vision doesn't change while being able to then pair that with a video game studio and have them say, well, hang on, games work like this, so how can we make the story work to fit a game? And that's just, I I think they really pulled off. And I think that, I I wish that more games had more behind-the-scenes stuff to them, you know? Mm -hmm. We have to start paying for more DLC if we want to, more cosmetic packs, you know what I mean? I'm not going to go down that. No, I'm not doing that. You're just trying to bait me. It's not, it's, it's not a discussion we need to have right now. <laughs> Whoa. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, and to some extent, you know, I mean, this is, it just made me think of, you know, why gaming matters kind of thing. But the thing is, is that, you know, Ghostbusters one and two come out in the eighties. Right. Mm-hmm. So then Ghostbusters three, if it doesn't come out within a few years of, of the second one, the problem that you run into is that even if all the original actors are still totally in, they've just all aged mm-hmm. however long. Now, it is kind of true that we're starting to get to a point where we can, with CGI, like age and right. change ages, and it's kind of workable. Um, but certainly in 2009, that wasn't. Right, until you get to, like, trying to remove Superman's mustache from every scene, you know, then it's terrible. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, <laughs> it was the, I, I don't know, it was the, maybe it was Superman v. Batman, I don't know, it was one of those, the newer Supermans, mm. but the actor refused to shave his mustache, so they digitally removed it, and there's just so many scenes where it just looks like somebody smeared Vaseline on his face, like... <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, well, there's like there's a movie called The Irishman with Robert De Niro and Joe mm. Pesci, and and in that, like in you know in the current time of the movie, they're old men, right? Constantly showing their their history as you know thirty and forty year old men or whatever. But Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci are old men now, right? So, right. <laughs> and but it, you can kind of tell anyway. Anyway, the whole point of all of me my rambling here is just to say that. It's it's kind of cool too because while the actors have aged to a point, even by two thousand nine, that making a third Ghostbusters movie is feasible, but you have to write the movie around the fact that they've aged twenty years. Right. And with this, because they can do voice acting, you really can just make it like it came out like this came out in nineteen ninety one. I think right? they. I think they. Yeah, I think they kept it like a few years later sort of thing, sure. but I don't think it was like, like the full 10 years or anything. It definitely was in the same vein of the story. Like cause most of the character, but yeah, it was, it was great because there are a lot of characters that are digital. I mean, they're, they're all CGI cause they're all video game sprites or whatever, but yeah, like you see the voice actor now and you see the character and you're like, that looks way more like the original, movie character than this actor but the voice is close enough that yeah it's great right exactly i mean bill murray is kind of similar looking dan Aykroyd, very different yeah very sam raimi very different yeah um or sorry harold raimi when he was around even at that time very different harold raimi in the 80s (laughs) is a very skinnier guy (laughs) actually you kind of look like him a little bit yeah i i would (laughs) i would definitely I have been tempted to do an Egon cosplay. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised, actually. Yeah. Huh. Uh, there was Halloween. there was a real rough idea that it tried to occur once, mm. and but that was in my early 20s, and that wasn't something in 2004 that really went over well at a 
quote unquote adult Halloween party. Um, so it went in the trash can before the party really started. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But no, I, I, it's also one of those things where I would obsess over detail accuracy and trying to get it as perfect. And that gets expensive, like, because you can get film accurate stuff but yeah it just gets really expensive to get into and i'm not that hardcore <laughs> right right well did you have anything else on ghostbusters because i was going to mention another game but i don't want to move away no from no no i think mostly just like i want to i want more behind the scenes stuff not just concept art i want yeah because that's in god one of these days i need to do a, a, an episode and and go over the neverhood with you but that was something about the neverhood that i thought was really awesome was it had behind the scenes video mm. so more of that please get get documentary crews into your production studios yeah i mean how cool would it be if we could see footage of like like if there was a two hour or 90 minute whatever documentary on like the making of starcraft 2 right or something like we or the latest wow expansion yeah these are these are your creative directors these are the thoughts that went behind it this is how we took the concept art and brought it all the way forward this is how we tested it or our ideas behind the story or why we love it so much like there's just there just are real people working on these things hundreds of them and mm-hmm. you don't see or hear or think about it because you just see game you you play play game 10 hours go meh i thought it was okay i don't know right. yeah the so this is not related to video games um i'm going to sports ball yet again so i know um it's just one of the coolest documentaries I've ever seen though. And I, I wish that the reason I'm bringing it up is just because of, of the premise. And I hope that we see more things like this, but it's, it's from 2009, I believe um, it's called Kobe doing work. And it's, it's about Kobe Bryant and it's directed by Spike Lee. Mm. And what they did was in 2008, um, Spike Lee goes to a Lakers game, which is the team Kobe played for and films the game with his own film crew. So he's not just using the, the TV broadcast. So you're getting angles that you don't see in a television broadcast. So he records the game, gets the footage, how he wants it or whatever, I guess. And then literally almost a full year later, because Spike Lee is based out of New York. When uh, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers traveled to New York to play the team there, after the game, he went to Spike Lee's studio, Kobe did, and they pull up all this footage from the game a year previous, and Kobe just does a commentary on the whole game. Like, he just, they just showed, you know, they just show the whole game, and he's like, yeah, at this point, I'm thinking this and this and this. Oh, here, this and this, and this is happening. Oh, he just said this to me. That guy always says that kind of stuff. And, and like, right, it was just this behind-the-scenes look that is just not anywhere else like you just i've never seen anything like that and like it would be really cool to see a pro player like i don't know to see a a lol or a starcraft 2 or whatever but some champion go back and basically break down their thought by thought action yeah yeah like how cool would that be you know i mean i I don't know that you could get that in game design in the same way because you're not no but you you can see so you can get some of it i mean there's I think there's just a lot of interesting things that happen. It's not just like, here's your one piece of mocap footage. Here's your one piece of guy typing code that here's an if statement, mm-hmm. you know, obligatory. Like there's a lot of those kind of clichés. because it's not like these kinds of documentaries don't exist. It's just not many of them do. And, mm-hmm. but I think that that's the kind of the, also the thing about behind the scenes stuff is a lot of it unlocked after I'd beaten the game. Um, and I feel like that's a much greater reward for me than an achievement unlocked ever is, you know, like saying, Hey, you beat the game. Here's quick interviews, five minute videos, 10 minute videos on a certain level, a certain piece of the game, a certain piece of story, whatever. And being able to see those, I was engaged for half an hour, 45 minutes after I was done playing, like, and it nearly brought tears to my eyes. A few of the sections was just like between the credits and the the extras. I was it was a very emotionally impactful thing for me that you just. I don't know. It's I think I feel like 
bonus footage went the way of the dinosaur with DVDs. Like, there's not a there's there's some of it here and there, but not in the same way. Well, I mean, it's probably still out there. When's the last time you bought a DVD? Fair. Maybe it's there. I don't know. I think I I mean, I've seen some bonus footage on like on Amazon that you can watch after you rent a movie or something. But I don't know. I would actually bet that because I I mean, we've got we do own some DVDs and I acquire them here and there from mostly garage sales and whatnot. But even newer stuff doesn't have like Blu-rays don't necessarily have much in the way of bonus footage. Hmm. It's usually just the movie in a couple of different formats. Right, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sometimes you get it. Usually you'll get a commentary, but that's about as close as you'll get. Well, so I went back and played a couple of games. Um, so there's one new one and then a couple ones that I've played before. So I'll do the, the couple of old ones briefly. Uh, one is one that you and I did a whole episode about earlier this spring, which is so funny because in my head, it's like we played two months ago, but it's been like nine months ago. Right. And that game is Deep Rock Galactic. Um, I picked it up again. I mean, I didn't buy it again, but I played it again recently with a, a buddy. And yeah, I'm just really impressed by that game still. I mean, our our episode that we did about it, I remember us being like, I don't know, there's just nothing really wrong with it. Right. That's still true. They've They've continued to add content. There's more mission types now. We were playing either right after 1.0 or right before 1.0. I think it was just before, because I think I remember logging back in to get 1.0 content stuff. Ah, okay, that's fair. And yeah, like it, like some of the things that weren't quite polished yet, all all buttoned up now. Nice. Um, I don't know. Do you, you know, I've played so much Risk of Rain too, and and played a lot of it co-op, and it's so frantic and so. Like you literally, if you stop paying attention for five seconds in risk of rain, you might just die. Right. And yeah, to go back to deep rock where certainly it can be hard. And mm-hmm. I, we died me and, and the buddy that I was playing with, he had never played before. So we started over basically. And I mean, we died in the first few missions right? more than once. Um, so it still can be hard, but it's not, it's not, not constant. Brutal. Yeah, it's not constantly stressing. There's stressful moments. And if you're not paying attention or just sitting still for too long, yeah, it, eventually bugs will come eat you. But Right. Um, honestly, in Deep Rock, more the way I die is falling. Yeah. Deep chasms. Deep chasms. <laughs> you got to have that platform gun. I know. Well, that, yeah, it's just it, it, I love I think that game may be better than any of the other, which I haven't played a ton of four player co-op games that I've played like the Left for Dead 1 and 2. I've played Payday 2. Vermintide. Uh, Vermintide, yep. I feel like Deep Rock Galactic, far and away, does the best job of creating a synergy between the characters. And not just creating a synergy so that, like, a character could be useful, but to the extent that, like, you kind of feel OP. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it, like you played as I think the the scout. Yeah, scout with the grappling hook. Yeah, so you're, like, grappling hooking yourself everywhere all Mm -hmm. the time and like i kind of settled on liking the driller the most where you you can just drill through anything Mm -hmm. and it just feels broken like but it's not i mean it's the way it plays well and they combo so well because like i mean we talk about this in our deep rock galactic episode but the having the engineer with the platform gun because like you can use the grappling hook but you can't do anything else while you are grappled to something but so it means you can reach anywhere, but you may not be able to do anything with it. But if you have an engineer with you, he just shoots a platform underneath your feet, and then you can drop off and get a whole bunch of extra gold or ore or whatever yeah. from some ridiculous location, and then get back out without the need of having to to jump back down special platforms or anything. You just grapple your hook with your way off, and you're done. You go on your merry way. And it's like, no other game... It, it does feel kind of like playing with cheats it feels kind of like having like a no clip or something like because you feel like you're accessing things that you shouldn't be able to but it's actually just designed that way right yeah i think it's a great thing when a game i mean borderlands 3 did that right like yeah you felt like you specifically felt like you had broken the game with the grenade build but it was just the way it was supposed to play i mean they'd eventually got nerfed but (laughs) i think a certain i think a certain legendary or certain part of it did but yeah but it was still designed that you can just shoot grenades basically indefinitely um 
and that or at least exploding right and that's fun like that's that was amazing it was infinite explosions and it was great right but yeah i just i i you know completely pointless solicitation because we don't get paid to (laughs) right shill for anyone else shout out to our ko-fi but yeah (laughs) right but i will i will say i mean you and i bring it up pretty much anytime we talk about what we've been playing lately and that is the xbox game pc path Mm -hmm. do it it. is such a good value um i mean i thought origin ea ea's origin access was a really good value which it was but the pc pass i think is even superior i've canceled the origin one in lieu of this wow um it's great anyway so a you should have that if you don't and you're a pc gamer and then b deep rock galactic is just included with it now yep so you should just go play that i just i have to i have to give love to deep rock because it's it's just solid no it's an amazing game game. i think i think that they did a great job i'm i'm kind of torn because i have several friends that are now on xbox game pass and i'm telling them to pick up deep rock galactic but as we tested uh you can't play between steam and xbox I'm like, I'm okay starting over, but it's kind of sad because I do have a couple DLCs, um, multiple Which are DLCs. just cosmetic, but... Yeah, they're just cosmetic, but it's like, I want those cosmetics. Hence buying. There. Right. right. That's why I bought them, is I want to have them. And... Right. Yep. No, I get it. I I, I mean, I don't really... I, I, I didn't even buy the cosmetics. I just wasn't... Because I started over with my, my other buddy on the, yeah. the Xbox account or whatever, and I mean, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really eager to completely wipe the progress I had. Not that it was that far. It's not huge, but it is still unlocking guns and yeah. ammo packs and upgrades and things. Yep. No, it's all it's all very true. Um, but either way, yeah, Deep Rock Galactic totally worth it. Should be something that that people play more. Um, the next game I will go to that I had not played in quite some time um, is Rocket League. I mm-hmm. have not. I didn't played. get a didn't get an invite on that one. I know, I know, I oh. know. I let you go. Oh, thanks. Um, oh, man. I have it installed and everything. Here we know. go. <laughs> uh, it was the first time I'd played it actually since it moved to Epic. Oh uh, yeah. I will give them. I, I'm. I am really impressed by the ease at which game companies have shifted platforms. Like, Destiny Two went from a buy to play. Activision game right to a free to play Steam game and I owned it on Activision Blizzard and then you know migrated to Steam seamless super easy process no problem at all uh and same thing with Rocket League uh everything was maintained there was I had to like go through a little extra sign in process the very first time right and then that was it and after that it was super cheese um and yeah I just it's crazy to me how awesome uh it's crazy to me how awesome rocket league is i guess after all of these years i would think that i would eventually be like yeah i just don't really care anymore but i don't know it's just great over and over no that's i i i do actually still eventually want to play i i don't know i'm so torn because i feel like i need to go just like watch some two because it has a tutorial but it's like a 10 second tutorial and I feel like there just has to be more buttons for the types of roles and maneuvers that I've seen people do. I feel like that can't be all accidental. Um, oh, it's definitely not accidental. It's not really a ton of buttons, though. It's more just like you have to learn how to fly and then turn in the air. Well, I can get off of the ground because it's not hard to do. When I say learn, right. it's not hard to do. It is very hard to control it really really precisely once you're in the air um the thing about rocket league that's so interesting not the thing a thing is that because you're in a car you can't move laterally at all right because you can only turn you don't get straight forward right and so it it's confused it it messes with your head because in a game like soccer like if you were really playing soccer and someone's coming at you that would be stop and juke to the left you would ex- exactly you would stop and plan on strafing if you're like trying to defend them or something but in rocket league if you start off on the wrong line you, you just gotta correct, turn around <laughs> which is not fast no so there's not um, a lot of e-break tokyo drifting 
but yeah, it just continues to be uh, just a, a also an incredible game. Really low skill floor, I would say. Right. Uh, but skill ceiling, I don't think has ever been found. So it's yeah, it's wild. it's something that I've always. I mean, I've watched some stuff on it, and it's and I think it also suffers from the uh, like expertise syndrome, where the better you are at it, the easier it looks. So it, it looks like, oh, man, that's super easy. Like anybody could do that. But it's just not. That's just how good you are at it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I would say, I, I mean, honestly, if you're really interested in playing it, my suggestion would be to just jump in and play an AI round and just just practice trying to hit the ball because that right. will be hard at first. But yeah, watching videos won't serve you because until you can drive into the ball consistently, it doesn't really matter what trick you can do <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> well that's all for our episode today if you like this episode consider buying us a cup of coffee over at ko-fi which is ko-fi.com slash p-u-i-s pod or just tell a friend about us it really does make a difference all of our links and social accounts are available in our show notes and if you want to hear any more from us outside of gaming my other podcast the walk show talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests and Brett's podcast, Dungeons and Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought.